0: From Beacon Point, this is Dollars and Cents, a really great podcast about money. Co-hosts and certified financial planners, Kobe Kress and Karen Riefel, help listeners navigate various life moments and major life events through the lens of personal finance. Contrary to popular belief, these money conversations are not boring. Prepare to be informed and entertained.
1: Beacon Point podcasts contain opinions of Beacon Point and are subject to change. This is not a recommendation to buy or sell any securities. And the listener should understand that investing includes risks, such as risk of investments and principal. Please contact your Beacon Point advisor if you have any questions. Welcome back to another episode of Dollars and Cents, a really great podcast about money. I'm Kobe Kress, and with me, as always, is Karen Reifel. Hi, Karen.
0: Hey, Kobe. Karen reporting live from sunny Southern California. The sun has returned to the state and I'm very excited about it.
1: Well, and you're leaving uh, not too, in the not too distant future, you're going to leave one sunny place, Southern California, and you're heading to Scottsdale, as I understand it, uh, for getaway weekend. And I can confirm as I live right on the border of Scottsdale, that it is beautiful and sunny here as well.
0: I'm looking forward to it and very warm, which I miss being an Arizona native myself.
1: Well, before you head off to Scottsdale, uh, we have, I think, a great topic to talk about with listeners today. And it's really something you and I have been tossing around a bit and having a lot of conversations around as we prepare for other episodes. We thought, you know, this actually would just be a good topic to talk about with clients and with listeners uh, on an episode all uh, of its own. And the idea is that um, it is very important that when you're making financial decisions, And maybe you're working with an advisor, let's say, that they have a good understanding of your complete picture. They may even ask you some odd questions to get this complete picture, because if they don't understand some specific details about you, what you're looking to accomplish, they may give you good advice, but it's wrong for you. And today we want to talk about just some examples about good advice that might be wrong for specific individuals and also and you're going to talk a little bit about this, but examples of um, advice that, uh, or or even decisions that were made because we didn't have the complete picture. So did I sum that up okay? Is that what we're looking to accomplish today?
0: Yeah, that's it. And I think it gives us an opportunity to also kind of address something that we go back at. You know, every time we try to develop the podcast episodes, we're aware of a vagueness that exists in our field. Um from an outsider perspective. So there's there's a vagueness about the term financial advisor. And I know many agree with this in our field. It, there's a vastness about what we do. We cover so many topics related to money that it's hard to articulate sometimes what it is we do and why it's so important to work with a financial advisor. Uh, and, and also the term financial advisor is used interchangeably to describe many different levels of service. So One financial advisor may provide a wide range of money-related services, and another could be really limited in scope. So it's like a bit of an identity crisis. And Kobe, you have to share with the listeners your Mexican food analogy that you used for this because I got a really good laugh from it.
1: Now, I can't steal this because I believe it is Jim Gaffigan, the comedian Jim Gaffigan that has a bit about this. Uh, So listeners out there, if you know the bit I'm talking about, certainly send us a note uh, and it's worth going to give a listen because it is hilarious. Uh, But the idea is that my favorite food and Karen, I think you agreed with this and certainly my wife's favorite food is Mexican food. I grew up in Arizona. We have phenomenal Mexican food in Arizona, just like there's great Mexican food in Southern California. So this is in no way disparaging Mexican food because it is by far, in my opinion, the best food on the planet. However, When you think about the ingredients in different dishes that are uh, Mexican food, you look at them and you think, you know, most of these dishes have the same ingredients. They're just combined in a different way, right? If you think about a burrito, it's beans, meat, cheese, rice, and a tortilla, right? And you think, uh, what about a tostada? Well, it's a tortilla that's flat with beans on it and chicken and cheese and maybe guacamole. And you think about a taquito. Well, it's a rolled tortilla with, you know, and you start going on the list and you go, you know, it's kind of the same seven ingredients, uh, but they're all packaged differently. And uh, we were laughing about that saying, you know, uh, that is very true in our industry as well, is that it can be very difficult. You have kind of all these... um, we actually maybe have the inverse problem now that i think about it we have the name financial advisor that's applied to a thousand different things but the ingredients underneath are actually very different so it's almost the inverse of the mexican food analogy that i just gave there um, and this came up uh recently with a potential client who was very shocked to learn that she, her husband passed away um very sad story she's a very sweet gal and she um her husband passed away and she came to her first meeting with us looking for help and she said no i've been doing some research and um, you know, you guys are financial advisors. Um, does that mean you're also wealth advisors? And I talked to Fidelity and they said they have wealth or, or financial consultants. And so what's the difference? Tell me the difference between those different names. And I had to tell her, you know, there there actually is not any set standard for what those names mean. Everybody kind of uses them interchangeably, but what the underlying individuals are able to do is vastly different. And so that really is kind of one of the topics of today's conversation.
0: Yeah, that's a really great point. So it's We're all burritos. We're just different types of burritos and some will taste better than others,
1: right? Um, Exactly. You brought the Mexican food analogy full circle and I think it was spot
0: on. You're welcome. So (laughs) we want to focus, I think at its core today, what we want listeners to understand is that it is very important to work with an advisor that truly knows you and all aspects of your financial life, anything related to do with money. And I will encourage our listeners and I'll probably say this again at the end. When in doubt, ask your advisor. If you're not sure, ask your advisor. I had a client that is a a good friend of mine. I've worked with her for many years, one of my favorite people. And we've done planning for this client and I don't know how we missed it, but she has a certain type of life insurance that she doesn't need whatsoever. And we were able to repurpose the cash in that life insurance toward another more important goal um, for her that will provide just a better, it becomes a better resource for her in life. Um, And she didn't think to tell me about it. And she didn't think to ask me about it. You know, it just kind of came up in conversation. And I said, wait a minute, you have life insurance? How did I miss that? Why have we not talked about that? And she said, well, I didn't know I would, you know? And I, so, and you know, you kind of get a pit in your stomach when that happens as advisor, because you think how that it, it, I do believe, Kobe, and I know you'll agree with this. It's incumbent upon us as advisors to anticipate where our clients might not connect where we fit in in their world of money, you know, because it's not always very clear. And so, in in that example, I don't feel like it was my client's responsibility. I feel like it was mine, and I, I felt like it was a bit of a miss, you know. But it came up, and we solved it, and we, you know, got a great solution for her.
1: You're exactly right. We do take that. Um, I think good advisors take it to heart, right? When you have something like that that uh, maybe gets missed, and you build systems. Usually, and I know you're this way, I'm this way, you immediately go in and go, okay, I'm never going to allow this to happen again. We're going to build a system to make sure we don't miss it. However, I think there are things to your point that that clients don't tell us because they're confused about the differences uh, between maybe their previous financial advisor that was maybe just really a broker, right? Maybe they were just really uh, kind of an old school broker. And so they really only dealt with buying and selling investments. Maybe they sent you money if you asked for it and they called themselves a financial advisor and then what we do. And I actually had a very similar situation recently where I had a client who was helping a family member purchase a home. And uh, they kind of went through that whole process to help uh, this family member purchase a home before they ever told me about it. And one of the things they didn't realize that if they were to pull this big chunk of money out of their accounts, they just kind of viewed it as their accounts. Nobody ever talked to about their accounts. This is a new client to me. Uh, They never talked to them about their different account types in detail. They didn't have a lot of experience with it. They didn't realize that they were gonna give several hundred thousand dollars to this family member from an IRA account, and it was going to be a taxable distribution. And it was going to cost them $50,000 in taxes to do it. And they didn't think to ask because their previous financial advisor, that wasn't their realm. They didn't help with those types of decisions. They helped with investments. I also call myself a financial advisor and I do help in that realm. And so not understanding the differences between advisors, that's on the client side where maybe they don't understand the differences between what a wealth advisor does, you know, compared to a financial advisor, and they don't realize that those terms are all interchangeable and you really have to understand what the uh, advisor you're working with will accomplish. Uh, And then on our side, there are quite a a few times where we ask questions to understand situations so that we um, can make sure that we're not giving good advice, but it's bad advice for the person that we're talking to.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And so I think what we're going to do today, we're going to take our listeners, we're going to take you through a little non-money journey for to help put into context, you know, the reality that good advice but bad for us happens in day-to-day life. So let's step out of the money realm just to kind of put some um, real-life analogies to what we'll talk about next. And then we'll share with listeners real money examples of where we were able to provide a lot of value in having the full picture and really knowing all the circumstances And helping clients make an informed decision. So we'll talk non-money, and then we'll give some real tangible money examples. So Kobe, I want you to share first your good advice, but not right for you example.
1: So for any of my clients listening to this episode, this is a story they probably don't know about me. It's one I've forgotten to tell uh, in recent years, which is that uh, my good friend and I were invited. This was right after we were done playing college baseball. We were invited to the U.S. Olympic Training Center in upstate New York to uh, go through the USA bobsled and skeleton combine to see if we were going to be on the USA bobsled team, Uh, which as a a lover of the movie Cool Runnings, I was very excited about. (laughs) And uh, in preparation for this, we were invited by actually an existing USA bobsledder who is an enormous human being, very strong, very fast. And he was the one that that met us, thought maybe we'd be a good fit and uh, organized and and, um, was able to get us an invite to this combine. And without really doing a lot of research and just knowing this individual that had gotten us the invite, my buddy Trevor and I spent all of our preparation time for the combine trying to get stronger. For whatever reason, we thought, you know, bobsled, you have to push that heavy bobsled. And goodness, the individual that invited us is... uh, an enormous human being. So we, we also have to be big and strong and be able to push this bobsled. And we make it to the combine probably as strong as we've ever been, as large of human beings as we've ever been then, before, or since. And we get there and realize that the first leg of the combine is all about speed. The strength portion only comes if you're invited after the speed portion. They care about speed first and then strength. Because they feel that they can do a better job of teaching you to be strong than they can do teaching you to be fast. We spent no time preparing to be fast at this combine. Now, here's the good news. We were both college outfielders, baseball players. We played the outfield. So we were naturally pretty fast. Now we were running against a lot of track athletes. So we were not by any chance the fastest people there. However, we were still fast enough that I was invited to U.S. Skeleton School. And um, my buddy Trevor actually ended up on the USA Bobsled team. He was on USA Bobsled 3. And Karen, before this episode, I showed shared you Uh, Shared with you a picture uh, of him pushing a bobsled uh, in in a competition in Russia of all places. This was years ago. Uh, And so this was an example to make a long story short, a little late for that, but it'll make a long story short of, we had good advice. We made a good decision. Get strong because you have to be strong to bobsled. But uh, it was not not perfectly applicable to us because we should have focused first on being fast and we had no idea. So um, good advice, but at the wrong time and not the right advice for us.
0: Right. That's right. Just kind of a mismatch of priorities, right? You probably had sufficient strength, but you needed to focus on speed. And we've got a really great financial analogy we'll share with listeners later about that. All right. So I guess it's my turn. So listeners probably also don't know that I have a um, decent spinal fusion. I had scoliosis. I guess I technically always do have scoliosis because there's no cure for it. But I had Spinal fusion, fusion surgery at the age of eleven. Um, Two thirds of my spine is fused into one solid bone with a rod that you know kind of connects everything. Um, so, and I've been—I was really fortunate. the The, the surgery p- served to improve my curvature. Um, you wouldn't know unless I pointed it out, you know. But obviously, when you have a surgery like of that magnitude, um, there are certain side effects. And I've got a tremendous amount of mobility. I was able to maintain. You know, I, I can still exercise and all that. So I was really, really lucky. But there are certain things that happen. i'm I'm sure it's because I'm aging also. Um, but aging, compounded with you know, a, a fused spine, has certain considerations. And I can get uncomfortable at times. If I'm not really diligent about, you know, staying strong and doing all my stretches and all those things that we have to try to make time for in life, um I can get a little bit out of alignment. In fact, I'm always technically a bit out of alignment. So several years ago, I was introduced to a phenomenal clinic um, that focuses on basically bringing the body back into its most natural state of alignment. the The method is called egoscu. For those that don't know it, if you have body troubles, highly recommend it. It is they do incredible work. In fact, egoscu has had success avoiding the need for surgery for scoliosis. But you know, unfortunately, they weren't around when I had had surgery. Um, but at any event, I go to Igoski to help get some guidance on just trying to, you know, get me as comfortable as I could be. I would never be fully straight. And they did a great job. They take photographs, kind of get an idea of where the muscles need to set. They kind of retrain your muscles to, for lack of a better term, and I apologize to Agoscu because I know I'm oversimplifying this, but just kind of reset, reset your muscles that, you know, whether it's stress or surgery or some other, you know, outside force, shifts us, right, and makes us less than perfect. And I got to tell you, after sticking with their routine, their recommended routine for weeks, I had, I felt great, Kobe. I felt great. My after pictures were great. I was in such a better state categorically. Well, fast forward to shortly after I was having some x-rays done and trying to do some family planning, I wanted to make sure that, you know, my back was not, there wasn't anything I needed to think about before carrying children. And My, uh, long story short, the orthopedic specialist basically told me that one of the exercises they were having me do was perfectly wrong for a certain part of my back. And it was putting me at risk of having, um, some complications down the line. I didn't have any, and I still haven't. So again, very lucky, but he basically said, I need you to absolutely stop doing that. (laughs) Like good advice. And it seemed to work well, but there was kind of something brewing underneath. That if I continued doing that specific part of the routine, I would have probably damaged a part of my my back that that was particularly sensitive because it's not fused and you know kind of shoulders a lot of the the movements um, for my day to day life. So it was great advice what they were doing, and you know ninety percent great, ten percent really really bad. <laughs> so and truth be told, I didn't think. To check with my, I, I thought this was about muscle and my spine is bone. And, you know, I don't, I'm a, listen, I'm a finance person, right? So like, I don't know the body like that. So I didn't think to speak to my spine specialist about muscle work, right? I didn't even think to clear it with him, you know? Um, and Egoscue you is muscle focused. They're not looking at like some of the structural deficiencies that that some of their clients have, or, you know, and maybe they do now in a different way. They probably would have looked at my x-rays. Would they have come to the same conclusion or observation? I don't know, you know, but it's just, it's kind of a thing where maybe they should have talked together, like a, a plan of care that involves multiple professionals, which we do a lot for clients, right? So if we bring that into just a finance analogy, we do that often as it relates to investments in tax would be like a really good example, right? How Kobe, you and I speak to client CPAs on a regular basis about their tax situation and how that has impact on their investment decisions, right? Um so a plan of care driven by somebody that has um kind of knows everything, but I don't I didn't have that. I didn't have somebody that knew, you know, there is, I don't even think there is a like wealth or a well-being advisor, you know, a well-being coach that like knows all of your medical history and, you know, and kind of combines all a professional team. If there is, that you may sense.
1: have just given I, listeners just a billion dollar idea that <laughs> we, we may have just launched an industry <laughs> a, a, in this podcast <laughs> that we just realized, but your point is a very good point. And actually, we've never talked about this before, but I actually know Igasku, uh very well. My mom has used that forever to deal with, um, she had a bad car accident when she was a, a high schooler uh, and, uh, and she has, um, followed Egoscue for years. I've actually been to one of their clinics and seminars. So, yeah, uh, too they, interesting they and. A
0: lot of professional athletes, it's part of their training program is to um, in, incorporate the Agoski method. Mm-hmm.
1: So uh, for listeners out there, in no way is this story dis- <laughs> disparaging Egoscue, as we said, Absolutely wonderful. If you have not looked at it you have some kind of health uh, issues that are structural in nature, certainly worth giving a look. Just make sure you have a, a, a complete picture uh, of uh, all the consequences of the things you're doing from a fitness standpoint, from a uh, care standpoint. And you actually, you, while you were speaking there, because what we want to do here is pivot and talk about some specific now financial advice uh, um, situations that come up that uh, we've experienced or that maybe folks don't haven't thought about and um, and give some clarity around that. And I think the easiest one to dive right into when you were talking about somebody that's really at the center of that, in your analogy, the care, and really that's what we're doing for our clients as well, is we come across at times individuals who want to hire an advisor. And particularly, they want to hire another advisor, a second advisor. They already have one. And they say, you know what? If diversification in a portfolio is good, then diversification among advisors must be even better. I'll get double the diversification. And Karen, I know you and I have talked about this before. When I have those situations come up, I tell individuals um, and I explain to individuals that what you think might be good advice, what you think is good, you're adding diversification in so many ways. You're actually probably paying double for half the service. And what I mean by that is I'll give an easy example. This is almost the perfect example of the right hand doesn't know what the left is doing. And you mentioned tax. Well, if you have an advisor over here who doesn't know the complete picture, because they're only managing half of your money, half of your assets, they have half a picture. And they say, well, this half of the picture needs some rebalancing in the portfolio. And so we're gonna take $20,000 in capital gains in this side of the portfolio, because uh, that's good for the portfolio and for the investments. They have no idea what the other advisor has done. And they probably don't have a good way of knowing that without communicating it uh, to the uh, client, who then goes to that advisor, gets that information, comes back to the middle, and now you've overcomplicated your life and made it more difficult. And we're playing a financial game of telephone here, right? And so you're going to um, you're going to take, let's say, twenty thousand dollars in this example. Well, what if the advisor on this side also took twenty thousand dollars? And what if you only had thirty thousand dollars before you were going to be kicked into a higher Medicare premium? Well. In this case, you you paid for two advisors and ended up with advice that cost you more money.
0: You're absolutely right. And not only did you end up potentially paying more tax, right, paying two advisors for half the service, but in your situation, the client had to be involved in part of the care plan, right? You're paying two professionals and in order, in order to get the same efficiencies from working with one, you the client then is required to step in and be kind of part of that coordinating team, right? Which is what we don't want, right? If you're paying us, let us take that lift off, right? That's what we want to do. And let us look at everything so we can make decisions in real time, eyes wide open with a complete picture in front of us.
1: I always advise potential clients that if you're choosing between two advisors, Choose one, consolidate. And if it's not us, that's okay because it's going to make your life a lot better. Don't don't try to split it between two. Find somebody you trust and then use them as that centralized care professional.
0: That's right, yes. And uh, there's a, another analogy that we came up with or a, a real life example that I think ties into this one really well, Kobe, on the same level of tax or uh, the same concept of tax. You know, what about in that scenario if... Um, We're recommending if we make a recommendation, the advisor makes a recommendation to do a rebalance or to take advantage of an additional investment opportunity. And to do that, we have to sell an investment and generate some level of tax activity um, to make a change. Well, what if in that same year you're planning to sell a business or a home or there's some other taxable event that's occurring that increases the cost? of the portfolio change from a tax perspective, right? So, um, and in light of that higher cost, would your advisor still make the same decision, right? Because anytime you make a change to an investment and there's going to be a tax cost associated with that, you wanna make sure that the change is beneficial enough to offset the cost of the tax and and provides a better opportunity set than the investment that you were in, that you're selling to make the change, right? And so it's really important to have a good picture of, of taxable events in a single year. So that's why when you do partner with an advisor, make sure that you're really sharing everything, you know, and that when you have an event, a life event, a money event, um, make sure they're aware. So again, they can plan eyes wide open.
1: The last example I'll give, because it fits very well into the two we've given so far, and it's a very simple one. But if you're doing tax loss harvesting as an advisor, and then there's another portfolio that another advisor is managing for that same client. And you sell an investment to tax loss harvest. And in that same and this happens in that same te- period, the other advisor buys that investment, does rebalancing, buys it. You have what's called a wash sale, and you don't get the tax benefit of the tax lost harvest. And neither advisor may ever even know that that took place until hopefully they get a chance to review your tax return. And it'll be too late at that point. So there are a lot of situations where this comes up. And it just goes back to this idea that there there is good advice out there, but it might be wrong for you. And you double the problems you're going to have with this issue if you try to split the advice you're getting between several professionals.
0: Yeah. Now, let's switch gears a little bit. Let's talk about a couple of other examples because I think, listeners, so many tax-saving strategies Can be missed if you're working with an advisor that doesn't truly know you and have your full picture. We we could go on and on here. So let's get away from tax because that is suffice it to say. I think in the examples, know everything when it comes to uh, because of tax because there is tax. Your advisor should know everything. Um, I actually worked with a client um, several years ago uh, who I still work with and he's become a, a great friend. He. Had He was retiring from a career as an engineer. And as part of his retirement package, he had um, deferred compensation was his his form of payout, part of his, his package. Um, and so, of course, in that year, his income tax stated a certain level of income. It was a very high level of income that he had as a lump sum payout from deferred compensation. And so on his tax return, his income had a high number. Well, as you mentioned earlier, certain levels of income require higher levels of Medicare premiums, right? So, you know, at it's, it's certain levels of income, you pay more for the cost of Medicare. Um, and that happens two years later. There's this two-year lag, right? So higher income this year could return, could result in higher Medicare premiums in 2025, okay? Well, because we did planning for him and we understood his real financial picture, we didn't just look at his income tax return and say, oh, your income is high. Yep, that makes sense. Your Medicare premiums are going to be higher we understood why his income was higher. It was because of deferred compensation. And deferred compensation is an appeal-eligible type of income. And without getting too far in the weeds, we were able to submit a, an appeal to Medicare saying, yes, his income was high, but here's what the type of income was. And it saved him $6,000 in Medicare premium for the year. So, but that's because we knew, right? We knew not only that he had high income, But what it was within kind of reading between the lines of what added to that single line of it, it doesn't matter if it's deferred compensation income or lottery winnings or wages, like it's just one number on one form of your tax return that matters. So it is really important to kind of peel back the layers and seek to understand what's driving that that detail. Um, And we knew because we knew everything about his retirement package and, and what it looked like.
1: So I love that example because the idea of appeal eligible income, if you like tax planning, which I do, and I know you do, uh, finding those little gems for clients is what makes this, uh, what I really enjoy about this job, right? To be able to go to a client and say, hey, there's something you didn't know. And we're, we because we understand you and we understand the complete picture here, we're about to save you a good amount uh, of money on your Medicare premiums or on your taxes this year because there's something you don't know that we do. And because we know you, we know uh, that there's money to be saved here. And I absolutely love that. And it makes me think of uh, another example, which is the um, maybe one of the more common questions I get from clients who are still working. And I realize how much or how many people out there don't have a good idea as to, um, I'm not phrasing this well, so I'll tell you what it is. Uh, a lot of folks, when they're still working, when we start working with them, we start exploring if it's a good fit for them to work with us. They'll we'll start talking about their retirement plan at their company and we'll say, well, are you using traditional contributions or Roth contributions to that plan, right? Let's say they're both uh, available. A lot of times folks go, I didn't really know which one to do, so I'm doing Roth, all right? I I heard Roths are good or I don't really know which one I'm doing, so I just split it 50-50 or I don't know know what to do and you can see where this is going, so I just did 100% traditional. Kobe, what should I be doing, right? Well, that's a more complicated answer. There's not a Mm one-size-fits-all answer to that question right? When are you going to retire? How much other income are you going to have in retirement? Do you have other sources of income uh, or other sources of assets to draw on in your retirement to balance out your taxability in retirement? Is Roth more valuable to you because you're not earning a ton of money at this stage in your career, so you don't really need a lot of deductions? Or is it much better to get a full deduction uh, because you're making $500,000 a year and every dollar you can get a deduction is worthwhile? And so these are complicated issues. And when you're working with a financial advisor that maybe doesn't know your complete picture or to our earlier conversation, they're a financial advisor, but they really only focus on investments. You're probably leaving money on the table because somebody needs to understand how those mechanisms work and they need to understand how they apply to you.
0: And you make a really good point. When we talk about full financial picture, we are not only talking about today. We want to be future aware. We want to understand those, those questions that we pose about to determine what type of contributions make sense for client- there's a lot of future planning involved in a today decision, right? There's and, and, and so complete picture is not today, but it does some forecasting. We so that um, that brings me to an example that tied into your bobsled analogy because you were focused on um, strength, which technically was the second test. Um and Kobe, I'm sorry about your loss. and now you're just,
1: yeah. A financial no, advisor, a, financial and not a advisor. bobsled champion. I could have been bobsled. traveling the world on a yeah. bobsled. Yes,
0: Beacon Point is better for it. The U.S. bobsled team is not, and I'm sorry,
1: about <laughs> that. Uh, their loss, it.
0: Kobe, their loss. <laughs> but you were focused on strength. You were focused on the second leg, right? Um, when you should have been focused on the first leg, which was the speed. And I, I, I think in it, along the lines of retirement savings, sometimes we have the opposite problem. We have clients who are heavily focused on on loading up those uh, tax-deferred retirement savings and just putting as much money into your point because they're in a high tax bracket. So when you're in a high tax bracket at a high rate, every dollar of savings that you can put away tax-free is that much more beneficial. But sometimes... And this is for, you know, the really, really high earners. Sometimes we find that the savings loaded into these retirement accounts that will eventually be fully taxable in retirement is so big or has the potential to become so big that when we forecast to the age in which, you know, clients are required to begin spending from that in the 70s, that the minimum amount required the IRS requires you to take in those future years Is so high that you end up finding yourself in the same tax bracket later. And the goal for retirement savings is to pay to save tax now to save tax later, right? So like you put money away now in your high tax bracket, save it, and then you pay less tax later when you're in a lower tax bracket. But if you overfund the retirement accounts, you could find yourself in the same bracket, that's not what we want. And there are many strategies that you can do between retirement years and age, you know, in your seventies to help kind of spread out that taxation. And sometimes we work with clients a little too late in the process and there's not much that we can do to kind of get, you know, the to normalize the tax cost, you know? So like I said, sometimes we have clients that are so focused on the today and they're not aware of what that means for tomorrow. So again, just the point, it just, you know, puts the point on the fact that we need to think about the future in making decisions today.
1: So Karen, let's do one more example here, uh, because I think you have a good one, especially for maybe younger listeners out there. So so talk to us about, um, I I, I believe, I don't want to give too much away, but it has to do with family planning and benefits through your employer. So talk to us about that.
0: Yeah, yeah. So you know, working with the younger clients, they're starting, they, you know, are starting a family. And there are a lot of money decisions to make around starting the family. Um, but one of the ones that happened to be coming up right around the time they found out they were pregnant is open enrollment. And open enrollment is where you make a bunch of decisions about your various benefits available through your employer, including um, health insurance benefits, other benefits that might be provided. But it's a big decision. Open enrollment is always, let me just tell Listeners, it's not easy for anyone, right? Only if we had a crystal ball, we would know exactly what health insurance made sense for our family, but we don't. So we just make as an informed decision as possible. A really good example for this family is in knowing that they wanted to have children, it might have made sense. Two things. Cash flow is tight when you have kids. Okay? It's Amen. a Amen. So from a cash flow perspective, they might be inclined to look for the insurance policy, the health insurance policy that had the lowest out-of-pocket premium for them, right? To help keep cash flow. But what if those low out-of-pocket premiums, which they often do, had a higher out-of-pocket maximum? Meaning that if there is some sort of medical event for anyone in the family, that the amount of money that you might have to pay out-of-pocket is higher, well for those having kids, especially young kids, and having, you know, a pretty significant life event or medical event, like having a baby, right? You might opt for the slightly higher premiums to in exchange for a lower out-of-pocket cost, right? That, that makes sense. I certainly don't want to pay, you know, a $10,000 max out-of-pocket cost. I'd rather pay 50 more bucks a month. Right. For a $3,000 out of pocket cost, right? It's kind of, and this is a little different. It depends on your appetite for risk, right? Um, But just being mindful of, you know, the good advice could have been, yeah, save as much money as you can, but it's probably not the best advice for somebody that's about to have small children and a big medical event like having a baby, right? Um, Or another good example in the open enrollment that obviously we explored, the company offered a dependent care flexible spending account, which is a phenomenal way to get a tax deductions for for expenses you are going to incur to give to get child care for your kids while you work right so the wife was going to continue both parents were going to continue to work they knew they were going to need to pay for child care at a certain age for for the child over the next year and so they opted to max out the amount that they could put into this dependent care flexible spending account which basically just means that they get a deduction for those expenses they were otherwise going to pay for so knowing their plans to start a family and the timing of that, um, we were able to provide them some really great benefit election uh, recommendations that that will serve them well.
1: To your last point there about being able to provide some recommendations that will serve them well, my experience has been that it benefit selection is one of the areas of finance that people who already have an advisor, they they really tend to forget that those are questions you can absolutely ask your advisor. And so instead of having us involved in those decisions, they and it, maybe they don't know the answer, they just kind of pick what they think might be the best, ask your advisor. If you have an advisor, ask your advisor those questions. Those are areas where, again, we want to know the full picture. Um, You may be getting deductions by making contributions to a health savings account. And we don't realize that. And that's affecting what we're doing from a capital gain standpoint because we don't realize you're going to get a bigger deduction, right? There's examples uh, through and through. We, Like you said earlier, when we start talking about not having a complete picture, you've been in the business long enough, you can, ha- you can give a lot of examples there. But we won't subject listeners to any more examples. We'll put a tight bow on this and we'll get you back to your day here. Karen, summarize for us key takeaways for this episode.
0: Partner with an advisor that you trust and share everything that you can to help them make informed decisions. It will serve you well. And pay that advisor so that you don't have to do the work. And if you're not sure if your advisor can help you with something, ask.
1: Great advice, simple, and we'll leave it there. Thanks for listening. If you have any questions for us or you want to send us a topic for a future episode, info at getthesense.com. That's info at getthesense.com. And until we see you again, thanks for listening.
0: Thanks for listening. Find us on social media at getthescent and online at beaconpoint.com. That's point with an E. Be sure to check back regularly for new episodes. Until next time, keep your dollars and we'll keep our cents. Important disclosure: this recording is for informational purposes only. Opinions expressed herein are subject to change without notice. Beacon Point has exercised all reasonable professional care in preparing this information. Any information that has been obtained from third-party sources is believed to be reliable. However, Beacon Point has not independently verified or attested to the accuracy or authenticity of the information. Nothing contained herein should be construed or relied upon as investment, legal, or tax advice, nor should it be relied upon as personalized investment advice or be considered as an individualized recommendation, offer, or solicitation. All investments involve risks, including the loss of principal. Investors should consult with their financial professional before making any investment decisions. Past performance is not a guarantee of future results.